All right, do you want to do a show? Yeah, man, let's do a show. Whatever episode is. Oh. oh, no, that's not supposed to be there. Hey, we got we got new music. This is this is. I don't know what this is. This it's is Kingsley. It's King-like and it's whimsical. I think it's more it's you and I are on a race across the country, a gumball rally. I'm driving. I'm riding a penny farther. Let's see what this one is. One of those big wheeled bicycles. How about this? One? And you're on a, like a, some sort of a sailboat. How about that? Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, is this going to be a big announcement, your, or is this like a relaxing podcast, tent at for Burning your podcast Man? Listening <laughs> pleasures. It is Hollywood Anonymous, Field. starring John Hunt. Starring. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the credits would come up if you could uh, see what was happening, which uh, no. is us sitting down. So let's get in hooray for Hollywood. Would you think that this is a this is more of an action podcast? Wouldn't you say? Could be. It is showtime. Oh, you're adding that. We've been gone for a while. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. We've been going for a while like you've been already recording, or we've been doing this, that this podcast yeah. for a while. I've been checked out during this show for a long time now. Yeah, this is like episode 101, man. If you say so, just like the freeway. Yeah. They're called freeways here, not highways, right? We come from highway land. Uh, I, highways are Midwest. Freeways, I believe, are... Is that the, different, is that so. the difference? I th- is Do you it, know the history behind highways and freeways? Well, my guess is highways now have toll roads. No. And they're not free. No. I'm Brian Irwin, that guy talking over there. I'm John Huck. All right. Uh, no, the difference between... Um, Today on learning. No, no, what highways and freeways are. They're called yeah. that because back in the day when you did not want to go through town, they would say, take the high road. And that was a bypass so that you didn't go through the town. Oh. And eventually when they built a system where you could speed around and bypass, they called it highways. And then out here... They call them freeways because you didn't pay to have to be on them. But so. then, what, don't they still call things bypasses? Yeah. Do yeah, but I'm just saying it's like that's where the, the origination of the of the uh, of the names of them came from. Wait, like and the then they freeway, call them freeways? Why? Because, well, you can. I think there's the combination of like makes sense. If you think of you're driving freely. There's no you're free of uh, lights and stop signs and uh, all that kind of stuff. And the, you're basically they're just ways to just drive faster. They just gave it a name. We give you go fast road. Take yeah. fast road. You'll go on that pl- the area where all the assholes are. Yeah, and they're just driving as <laughs> but that I don't, don't know what a slow lane is. That don't know what a fast lane is. That uh, that that basically slow up traffic because they wanted. To get over six lanes and they decide to stop every single lane until they can get over you know that kind of stuff free. Uh, i love those that people. kind of stuff highway but i think stuff i think you know when you could fir- when, when those first got built and you could first drive on them and there was like way less people in the world mm. uh, that'll never be again i well i know i mean until well unless we're, all, until, until we're wiped out until the united states you know keeps injects that plague that they that we know that they're going to do right tin, but, ca- uh, tin tin hat tin tin hat tin tin hat rin tin tin it's been a while, so I got to get my speech patterns back. Yeah, yeah, learn to talk, learn not, to talk. Well, I actually never have. I think I've had probably a mild uh, a sentence stroke during every show. Every so show, that's not at least really. Once. That's you good. cough, I have strokes. Well, you know the air out here. There, it is the air. What are you gonna do? By the way, yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of Hollywood and you know just living the dream, um, I was uh, taking the kids to school, and uh, California Dreamin' came on. Oh my god. And I'm listening to that song, and it's kind. And I'm and it like, was all you could do to not drive into a tree." Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, "Oh my God, I am waiting in a lot of traffic to drop a kid off at middle school." California dreaming. In California, having to, and I'm like, everything. Such a winter's day. Such everything. It's it's against everything I had moved out here for. This is nothing against my wonderful, beautiful wife and my beautiful children. But glad I have them. 
But in that moment, you <laughs> cannot help but to say to yourself, "This is not the. This was not the plan." Right. But it was not the plan. I think that goes. And that song hurt for the first time. It didn't. It didn't inspire. It actually. It's a little bit of a dagger. A well, bit of a uh, my suggestion to you is also uh, you could change the channel. You know, you don't have to listen to the whole song and just like start crying in front of your kids or anything weird. <laughs> Dad, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, just California dreaming over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on such kids, on such a winter's day. Yeah, but I mean. Life is what it is. Yeah, that's the thing is like you talk like, of course, like the plan, even if it was a vaguely thought out plan or, or a, you know, kind of a, a back burner, like maybe this could happen. I think most of us that have moved out here have realized that there are a million different roads and you could be on any one of them and you can still be happy doing whatever you want to do and you find different stuff makes you happy. Probably different stuff than you thought originally made you happy. Like you didn't move out here going, I want the love of a woman and two kids. Right. Like, well, of you, course not. <laughs> so, but, but now that's Trust me, that was not my speech when I was like, basically, <laughs> I'm leaving Wisconsin to go get married in Hollywood. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you know how it's cheap to live here? Well, I'm going to move where it's expensive to live and raise a family. <laughs> in this a city me. where family's not really the number one priority. <laughs> I'm going to go. People care about you. Like, people are like, that sounds backwards. That sounds backwards. <laughs> Guys, I'm moving to Hollywood. Why? To get away from crystal meth. That's right. Guys, I, I'm tired of being single in Wisconsin. I'm going to go get married in Hollywood with it and start a family. Oh my God. No, the, uh, um, like all the stars do. The um, <laughs> like, like, like how Clooney did it. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I, I lost my train of thought. But, it, but, it, but the point is, don't you sometimes... Uh, aren't and I agree with you that there are there are many roads to lead to wherever your life is going to go. But sometimes, especially when you move away from somewhere for a specific reason to go someplace, mm -hmm. you can't help but occasionally get jealous of those that literally when they came out here, they're like, this is the one thing I'm going to do. And they do it, whether it's a director, an actor, a DP, uh, a producer, a showrunner, uh, whatever that whatever that role is, that there are those comedians. They basically they never do any. Thing else. Now, I also know that the reason why I didn't subscribe to that theory and the reason why I uh, failed in film school in Milwaukee and then moved out here and tried it again was because um, I also believed you needed to do many things because you never know where you're going to land. I always had that as a backup plan. And some people say that's bad to have a backup plan because then it softens your drive for the one thing that you may want the most. I get all <coughs> that. Right. But I also look at it from the other side. What about all those people that you and I know that they've only ever done that one thing now for 15 years and they have still not achieved it and now they're trapped too. So it's like it kind of goes both ways. So California Dreaming, as much as I make fun of myself, I'm, pr I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well off. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm okay. And I think that also speaks to personality types and, you know, I mean, general mindset for sure is like what do you want out of life if your goal – like if my goal was like if I was so focused on just being a road comic and just getting out there and doing as many dates a year as I could on the road, you'd be dead. Well, one probably, or I'd weigh about four hundred and fifty pounds, right? And I wouldn't be married, and I wouldn't be this happy. You know what I mean? It would be if I was happy, it would be a different happiness that I can't relate to at this point. But right. I just think like. Uh, I've always had that thing where, yeah, I wanted to play football in high school, but I also wanted to go to parties with people because I like to go to parties and hang out and have a good time. I wanted to be, <clears throat> you know, I moved out here. I wanted to be a comedian, but like there were definitely people around me when I started who had a much more 
uh, thought-out plan than I ever did. <clears throat> you can just put that up there. All right. Um, and 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 those people. I mean, most of them they they succeeded. They're it's good for them. I'm just saying. <clears throat> I I had more of a like. I like doing this. It's super fun. It allows me to go out and have a good time, and also get to do this thing I found that I really love, which is tell jokes and and kind of be the person who is supposed to be entertaining and not being an annoying guy at a party who's trying to be entertaining, but actually realize that people are looking at you <laughs> to be entertaining. Uh, I just, I just think that the, as I realized later that you could take it more serious and you could focus and you could, you know, not have eight beers before you go up and you could actually craft better jokes. And you know what I mean? You start to find your voice and everything. I just think a lot of people did that quicker than me. And there are also a lot of people who didn't do it quicker than me. So it's like, it's just kind of, uh, and, and who knows what this town is looking for, when they're looking for it and where you happen to be. And there's, and it's funny you would bring that up because uh, you and I are in a, and at this point in our lives are in a, in a pretty good place. We, we, we are satisfied with the, with the journey that we have taken. Um, but it's still happening. It's still happening. I'm just saying, but we're satisfied with the journey. It yes. is, life is a journey. It's not about the end game. It, I mean, ultimately, you do get to the end game, but it, it you. But have, the you end have, game, no matter what, for everybody is death. Yes, and ultimately, <laughs> you better enjoy the fucking journey because you yeah. don't really necessarily know. It's never going to necessarily land right where you want. And, and the reason why I bring that up is because I think we're at a, 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 in our in our world. We are in a critical point where a lot of people are fucking angry. They're mad that things didn't work out the way they were told they were going to work out. And I'm I'm more of a realist now, and I've even said this on stage before. Like when I talk about marriage, I'm like, "You want to stay together? Then you need to know it's going to be fucked up." Okay, stop assuming that marriage is going to solve all of your problems. Stop thinking that the minute you put a ring on a finger, that it's ha- it's happiness every single fucking day. What, it is work. Yeah, that's no, but ridiculous. I'm saying, but it's like yeah. when you look at the divorce rate, which is like I think getting closer to sixty, above sixty percent, and stuff like that. Now I think that there's this false agenda that people have that they think somehow or another. That it's going to solve some sort of relationship problem. It's going to fix you, and then you got you find your soulmate, quote unquote, and perfection falls into place. That's not how shit works. It's good to have a buddy. It's good to have somebody that you can bounce shit off of. But guess what? Just like in college, you're gonna fucking hate that person every once in a while, and yeah. your guys are gonna go in separate rooms and kind of tell <clears> each other to fuck off. The key is how do you how do you figure out how do you get from fuck off to back to fucking and staying together? Right. right. Sorry, Dad, Mom. Um, that don't listen to the show. Sorry, John's mom. All right, so, but but my but I think my, my mom has figured out you've probably had sex at least twice in your life because you. you have two children. Nope, just I saved a little bit from the first time. And then two I just, baby Jesuses. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I saved I just, a little I, bit from I, the I, first time. <laughs> it just did it into one cup, and yeah. she split it into two. That's right. Yeah, we put it in the fridge. The date on it. Um, no, but 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 going back to like your life, that's the thing. It's like we grew up in an era. Where, like, there was this huge rise of, like, the Tony Robbins of the world, the secrets of the world. Like, all this, like, you can have whatever you want as long as you put... And the the thing is, it's not fucking true. Sometimes you're not... You can work really hard and still not get what you want, but does that make it, in the end, like, horrible? No. So stop being so fucking pissed off about everything and just kind of appreciate the ride a little more. And I think a, a few more people might smile in the world if they don't fucking hold themselves accountable to all the bullshit lies they've been hearing. That's a good point. I mean, it, it is about enjoying yourself as you go. And if, like, what what happened, like, in the past, you can't change. You no. can't fix. You can't do anything about it. You can All you can do is learn from it and try to be a better person from it. The stuff that in the future is not for sure. None of it. It's not, not in one your control. Second. It's out of your control. Dude, I have been the a The more hard- you worry about it, the worrying and anxiety has never fixed 
problems. No, and, I, and, I, and I, there's there's a point here where it's not going to get boring and serious. But the reason why I'm bringing this up because it leads to where our lives are currently, and we'll talk about the things we've been doing, is the fact that I've 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 busted my ass. I was a paper boy, and then I got a job at a grocery store. Like, I've always <laughs> it's worked. old timey Brian. No. He, he, yes. I was a milkman. I was on the ra- <laughs> AM radio. I was a paper boy. No, my point delivered is, corpses. Corpses. <laughs> who del- who orders them? Yeah, first off, why, where are you taking them? You'd be you'd be surprised. The uh, no, but my point is that I've I've been a hard, dedicated worker my whole entire life. Right? There is a ceiling sometimes for some people, and you're not going to get everything you want. Like I've worked very hard in stand up. I've worked very hard to try to be a producer. I've worked very hard to try to be a writer. Very hard to try to be a director. Like all those things, comedian, all those things. And I still have not 100% obtained those things at this point. And this You've is going done on. all of them. Right, but my point, exactly. You ha- and then you have to go back and look at the things that you wanted to do and where you hold yourself accountable. Like, at what point did you go, well, I didn't get this, but I did get this, and, and this is okay, and too. And did you do this as good as you could, and what did you learn from this experience? The point is, though, yes, there are days where I was great at what I did and no one gave a shit. And that's part of life that you oh, have yeah, to man. accept. That's Sometimes you're not, the claw is not going to pick you, and they're going to pick the person next to you that may not have been as good as you, but that's called fucking life. So, But it's also either, subjective. So it's like My point is, yeah. do, you, do you hang on that, and do you get fucking pissed off about it forever, or do you move on? And, the thing, and I'm bringing this up because we're going to talk about some of the things you did. Like recently, um, you've had a great run. Like uh, with creating and producing stuff with commercials, and 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 I want I want you to I want to talk about that, but the but the thing that always comes back to me is I remember you and I were sitting around one day and we were talking, and you had had this whole career of doing all the producing a lot of stuff that you didn't you were not really into, and you're and you know you're building up all these credits and all this resume stuff that was not related to the things that you would prefer to do like acting and stand up, and it was really you were kind of disappointed, and I remember saying to you, you know what, dude, though. You're building a muscle that someday may come back to benefit you. I don't know if you remember us having that yep, conversation. I do. And I don't necessarily, if you see it that way with what you've accomplished, but I, 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 it would be really great to kind of recap the ride that you were just recently on, which was uh, how you ended up becoming a comer- making commercials. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, you made them. Well, it was your job to it, make them. Yeah. It was, like you said, though, man, There and I'm not trying to bash everything I've ever worked on as a producer because no, I've it, done a lot of stuff. Thing. Right, I did a lot of stuff that early on I was really proud of, and then even later there was some stuff that I I think is some of the best producing like me and some people I know have ever done, and and the shows turned out perfect, you know, just the way everybody wanted them, and and those were really positive experiences. But also along the way, I feel that I worked for a lot of people that did not start as production assistants. They did not start at the bottom. They were handed a company they were handed you know um kind of money to start this thing they were handed a celebrity to partner with they were handled what they were handed whatever and they they never had to really work or understand what went on to make everything work to make everything happen you know like when i say stuff like i'm amazed that anything gets made in this town i mean that oh it's true everything there is insane the amount of work that has to go into a one minute commercial yeah and now try to make a feature film yeah. where you got to shut down bridges and you got to fly planes overhead and you got to I mean that is so much work, you mm-hmm. know? And to not have come up and just been kind of thrown on the top and just think, "Oh, this is I can do whatever I want." Like mm-hmm. it's just I don't think that's a those people tend to not be fun to work for. And they tend to have no patience and no understanding and really don't care. Right. They just want it done and it's like 
if you have an understanding of why or when or how, then you're a little bit more competent and you seem like a better human being to be around. <laughs> but anyway, what happened was uh, my the guy I moved out here with, uh, his brother owns an ad agency, mm -hmm. and they partnered with a company, and that company, I'm not going to say any names yet because none of it's out, but that company uh, wanted to make um, commercials for the internet, really, um, and they wanted to make them for not a ton of money, you know, because like, when you look at a commercial budget, like a big, let's say like a major AT&T, I, I don't know out of companies, but like big major national Apple. spots like Apple yeah like I'm sure like the, there's a there's a hundred fifty thousand that like leave right off the top that go into somebody's pocket for, you, not, for no reason Apple you know? you're talking million I, well a, right a friend yeah. of mine is a production so, designer on Apple commercials and he's flat out told me the, the amount of money that the yeah. cash flow is just ridiculous it's insane right it's insane. right so like a huge chunk of that just gets cut right off the top and goes into one person's pocket right, right hey, that's how that works and then you're like okay this is the budget we have to make the commercial now uh, and then even some of that gets divided to people. You're like, who are you again? <laughs> so they wanted to make a company. They want to make partner with a company that could, they could make commercials for that were not for done for an insane amount of money and that were basically made good enough to be on the Internet. Right. And so me and my friend agreed to help produce them and get them made. So now, when you say help produce them, though, you need yeah. Again, yeah, it's, not as, explain, as, it's not as simple as it's not as simple as you're saying. Like you didn't somebody didn't yeah. just go, John, he help us produce this. Like you basically, mm -hmm. there is a process because in this town, you can be a producer by going and fucking having a, a VistaPrint business card made. It doesn't mean that you know what the fuck you're doing. That's that's a huge difference between calling yourself a producer and actually right being a producer. Right, and there's different type of producers too. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it, and it's kind of like you know there there are the big executive guys who are the, just the money dudes, and they just sit on the top, and they can kind of watch over everything. Yeah. But like this was very hands on. Like what what usually is done by an entire production office, meaning a production coordinator, a line producer, a production manager, um, you know, like multiple production assistants, like that kind of stuff. That's like a whole office of people was done by just me and one other guy. So. Uh, when I like we found the locations, we, you know, we got all the permits, we did all the paperwork, we figured out everybody's contracts, we figured out like we did pretty much everything a production office would do. And that was a bulk of it, you know. But in the process, we were able to get people that we've known forever hired. Um, our director was a guy that my producing partner worked with back in the day on Nickelodeon in like 2000, 2001. And we've known this guy forever, and he is just kind of. We've watched him grow as a, as a director. You know, he was he was. I'm not even sure. I think he might have started as a PA, but like I, he's got this eye, and he's got he's such a relaxed guy, and he's so easy to work with. Like no matter what, whenever I've been around him, I'm like this is a guy that I would want directing something I was producing. Right. And the other people involved saw his reel and met him, and were like, yeah, this guy is great, and he knocked it out of the park he got me a dp who was fantastic worked through food poisoning not one complaint except can i use the other bathroom like not one complaint. well yeah when you have food poisoning i think dude, he's doing he's doing everyone else that's what he was trying to do dude i couldn't allow it but that's what he was trying to do <laughs> <laughs> here's a bag <laughs> go outside but but um it was just uh it was just a surreal experience to because they, they also 
kind of came to us with their ideas and we kind of helped write scripts for them too. So we helped create these ideas and give them like guidelines and where we should go. And the ad company was fantastic and everybody just kind of got along. Mm -hmm. And from the top down being the guy whose ad company was, he is from like humble beginnings. He's not like, wasn't handed a bunch of money. It was like, he built this company. You know what I mean? He did this on his own and he, hired and surrounded himself with people that he respected, that he liked, that he felt like, not that he was better than, but that some people that he could work with. It's important that you bring that up because that does matter. Yeah. It, it matters um, with, it, with, with people who just don't get it. And, uh, and I've worked for companies where people have never had to earn anything. And they, they have, they're, they're just, they're just they, they, don't know how to, they don't know how to run things. They know how to criticize and they know how to belittle. Dude, yeah. And because they don't they don't have they, they were never there. Does that make sense? Yes. They were never a part of that startup. They were never part of the journey. They just they just walked in at the end and went mine. Mm -hmm. And it's just it sucks. But whatever. Anyway, not to focus on that. So the, the point being that it's always refreshing when you, you do get to work with people who have that perspective, because then they'll never they'll never not roll up their sleeves and engage in a positive way. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. The entire and we were we had to shoot four days and we had to, you know, we didn't cut corners. We got people paid. But we had to be creative with what we were doing, you know, spend a certain amount of time doing certain things and keep moving. And it just was the entire crew, the entire cast, everybody worked as a giant team. Like the background was important. Like everybody, no one was treated any differently. You know what I mean? Everybody got the donuts that came to set. Everybody got, you know, and and we had a location that my friend really really did me a solid on and hooked me up and then we shot at your house um and we shot well, i mean it was we got an airplane set like it was really just really fun it didn't feel like work once we started oh shooting, there's work involved come on don't no, lie. No, no, no there's work look <laughs> i had to lift a 20 ton ac unit with three other guys and move it on a trailer with our hands we had to do a lot of crazy stuff that as like you know, someone who calls himself a producer wouldn't do. They would send someone else to Again, do. Again, that's that's the business card producer, and then right, there's the right, other right, producers right. that actually it. produce. Producers, right. as as as, our, as my neighbor Nate likes to say, producers produce, buddy. Producers produce. Yeah. Meaning whatever it takes. Get it done. Yeah. If it ha if something has to happen, you have to get it done. And that done. and that, but but and I've always appreciated that. But there's a difference when you do it for a cause or a show or a spot or something that you love that you're behind a hundred percent rather than when it's someone else's idea, you don't necessarily think it's very good and you're not being paid. Well, <laughs> does that, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't care how this turns out. You just become someone who does it like, but with this, it was something that I, I wanted everyone to care about it as much as we did. And I think that happened. I think through every, like our art department, I was didn't care phenomenal you didn't care but you <laughs> that's all right but our art department was phenomenal like they cranked out i mean it was these commercials were supposed to be for the internet there's already talk of putting them on tv see well there you go like that they they were done just it was really a, it was really a joy it felt like it just felt good to be involved in something like from a production aspect even i wasn't in front of the camera at all i wasn't the director which i never wanted to be <laughs> Um, but we just, it all fell into place. And I think that everyone's general attitude of like, 
We're going to make this. It's going to be good. Let's just have some fun. Like I remember saying a million times, I don't want anyone to feel like it's really work. Like, yes, it's hot. We were shooting right off Skid Row. It was like a hundred. It was the three hottest days of the summer. <laughs> no shit. It was awful. But um, but the company helped us out. They got an air conditioning. Like everybody worked and pulled together to make this a really enjoyable experience when it could have been people being miserable and complaining and whatever. But Which does happen. It does, uh, but we didn't have any of that. No, and it was no, you didn't, but you, you did it you did it right. And I can say that because, as you know, my, my, my background is having worked on hundreds upon hundreds of different types of productions. Oh, I was not there to say radio shows, but no, yes. No, <laughs> I haven't brought up radio once yet, but uh, speaking of radio. No, the uh, yeah. um, I was in it. And uh, yeah, and you've seen everything, even coming through the Herald. You've seen everything, every you know, type I've of seen, production yeah. you could see, every sort of jerk off to fucking it's nice guy. You, you pinpoint could see. after a while. You pinpoint how things go wrong, why they go wrong, and who, who makes them go wrong, and who and, they blame. <laughs> and 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 the difference is as idealistic um, uh, as as you make it sound. You know, um, there there is something to be said about trying to hire people that are like minded people that you've worked with in the past that have similar attitudes because people can sink ships very quickly. Uh, anybody, whether it's the grip or the art department or an actor, it doesn't it. matter. I've you done know. it. I've done it as you a segment can, producer. Yeah. So you can yeah. sink it if you've got a bad attitude. If yeah. one person can can screw up the whole system. Yeah. And a lot of times that happens because the producers that produce stuff, they just treat the product like whatever. This is just let's just get it done so we can move on to the next thing. And they don't really care who they hire. They hire they hire cheap. They hire and they shoot fast. It's down and dirty. And it's just they don't care about the product. And that's fine. That's part of business. That's part of life. It just depends on what you're in. It. And it doesn't have to do with the film business. It's, it's whatever you're into. You have to determine what you want out of it. If you want to just do things and you don't give a shit how miserable your day is and how miserable the people around you, that's your thing. But just know yeah. that's a miserable <laughs> fucking existence. That, but that sucks, dude. Or you can kind of handpick your journey and be like, yeah, I'm going to pass on this person or this thing because I don't see anything good coming from this. Yeah. Because it, when you do get your opportunities in life, make the most of it because there could be more following that. That's exactly. I mean, that was all all we wanted to do was prove to them that we could we would be able to do all this and that they would want to keep working with us and that this ad company would find more clients that would also want to work with us. Like the whole idea is to essentially start a business. You know what I mean? Because why not? Why not? Like, I totally understand commercials. Like, that is a world that I understand 110%. And also, I find fun. Yeah. Meaning, you're shooting, you're telling a story in a very short amount of time, and you're trying to make something that, in my head, we want to make something that people might watch again and again. So, like, I want to get wacky and weird and freaky and funny and get them out there and just have people go, have you seen this? What is this? Like, almost like... It takes them a second to figure out the product and then go, oh, okay. And but they never ever forget that ad. Like that's my, that's what I would like to do if I stay in this kind of kind of like line, you know. Yeah. But also at the same time, this still allows me to do stand up, to write for other people, to, you know, to take other production jobs, you know. Yeah. In the meantime, and then in between that, we can. I'd like to be able to do this kind of stuff. So it, it's it's kind of just another thing, like you said. But every aspect of production that I've ever worked in really helped between me and my producing partner because he worked he started as like a production manager and production coordinator and all that so he there was certain things he knew that i didn't and there were certain things i knew that he didn't so together we pretty much had the whole production and figured out and don't get me wrong we had some slight overages we had you know 
some stuff go a little wrong. There was some stuff we almost forgot about, but then like I was able to hire a medic, a guy I'd met on Punked in like 2001. Like the guy whose location was was like a location manager on Punked from the first two seasons. Like it was just everybody. Like we all knew each other. Right. It was like six degrees to me or Tim. You know what I mean? So. I look forward to episode 150 where we're like, you know what? I fucking hate production. Here's the deal. I'm never producing anything again. <laughs> Burn this town to the ground. I'm moving to Idaho. <laughs> no, but that, but the whole idea is you start like that and you try to build so you get more people so the next time I can hire someone to do all that paperwork I didn't want to do. You right. know, the next minute time we can hire someone to be to watch the budget so we don't have to sweat and cry and freak out and move money around. and It's just it's hard. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. two guys, and it was work. Most of it was work I'd never really done. As a segment producer on Punked, I was real good at putting my feet up and going and getting on the phone, going, "Hey, I need this location. Hey, you got to go and get, do this run. Hey, I was I could delegate really well, and my, I kind of like my thing was being on set. Once we were on set, I could get the love of the crew. I could make everybody kind of like, boom, let's do this, let's make it good. And I think people above me liked that. Huge. That matters. And that, I, I, it's funny we bring that up because that was the one thing going back to all the hundreds of shoots that I had worked on. That was the one thing I picked up on. The most successful shoots were the ones where the producers and the director understood that there's more than just taking control of a set. There's actually having a warm set and, and communicating with your people in a positive and like we're all in this together. I'm not better than you kind of attitude. The good morning. Good night. And you did a great did, job today. Did, thank you that, very much. That like that Huge. walking around and thanking every person in every yeah. department Huge difference. pays off. But all producers and all directors should do that. Um, and that's what I learned. You know, when all I clients, to, all uh, ad agencies, everybody should do that. That should be a no, thing. It, it should almost be like a good game. We should all line up yeah. and say good game at the end of every shoot because everyone deserves a thank you because I don't care how minuscule you think someone's job is, it's not. If that person didn't go get that coffee, if that person didn't go get the van, if that person forgot to lock the gate, if that person forgot, you know what I mean? Like every it's it, it, everybody is important. And, and, and it's kind of how I'm trying to think about life in general, like not just belittle people. And you can't just get mad at somebody because they didn't do something that you wanted them to do. Cause maybe they didn't understand, you know what I mean? So like, you got to have some patience with people. You got to have some, some wherewithal to go okay you might not understand this and you might never understand this so i'm just gonna do it (laughs) you know what i mean like there it's i don't know it was it was a it was a great experience but i think like all my production leading up to that helped me figure out how i wanted to run that whole thing yeah and you'll continue to grow from that too because you learn things on this one that you're like i can make this better the next time by doing this instead of that and even even told people like hey sorry about that and they're like and but the thing is, if you're treating everyone with respect and you're thanking everyone at the end of the day and you're saying good morning and you're getting them donuts and you're keeping them fed and their hours aren't that long. You know what I mean? We had some very short days as a, as a production commercials for commercial production as far as that goes. But um, as long as you're like communicating with everybody the whole time and you're one of them and they don't feel like you're somehow like I'm running around, I'm sweating with you. Uh, this isn't like I'm in an air conditioned bubble. So they see right. that, they see that. And then when it's like, hey, man, really sorry about this. And they're like, dude. 
no, it's not a problem. I've worked on way shittier things. You know, yeah. they, the, everyone had like every time I tried to apologize for something that we maybe had forgotten or were trying to do, people would be like, dude, we can work around it. It's not a it's not a problem. And by the way, I forgot, like as an example, I had just finished a production and I recommended guys to you that I believe you ended up using. Correct. Yes, we did. Yeah. And it's it, it's that, that whole it's thing that, of but like that's that the small shared world. But it's you and I are the same type of person. And I felt comfortable enough of sending a couple guys your way. Yeah. Thinking these guys will work out for you. These guys will will, will do. Yeah, exactly what, what you, needs to get done. What, what needs to get done. Yeah. Without conflict. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And that's how a lot of that stuff worked. Like, you know, I didn't have a, a director of photography, but the director was like, hey, I just work with this guy that I really like. And I'm like, well, you should have someone that you really right. like. Why would I want to bring in someone you don't know? Like, <laughs> work with a dude you know. And like, the, if that's what, if that's how people work, it's like, oh, I really like this crew. I really like this. That's who's going to be in there. You know? Well, they'll be in sync, too. Yeah. And, and the, the days will go a lot uh a lot quicker and again we tried not to cut corners like when they said they needed another camera uh, in in the long run having two cameras moves the day you're not doing multiple setups with multiple with one camera it's like two cameras you could do and if you do shoot one on 4k you punch in you got that it's like we're done we've moved on like we our day is moved we got through content like and we had still had time to goof around a little bit so yeah. that was like uh also one of my things is like i've worked on things I once put together. We I worked uh, AD to a show called Hairjacked. It was on True TV. <laughs> Do you ever remember? No, that? no, I've, I've never heard of Hairjacked. This a, is this is new news. <laughs> it was a game show. It only ran one season, but John, shocking. John Grabus was the host. He's a very funny guy. He's hosted a couple other things, but he is super talented, and he was really fun to work with. And the hairstylists were great too. But it was basically a show where you answered questions, and then they fucked with your hair. So I, I can't. <laughs> but they but the the people were really nice the and this is what what i was going to say is like the, one of the few productions where the, the schedule they asked to do i looked at the director and i go that this schedule is insane they want to do three full shows in one day so they can knock out a bunch in a week and they wanted to keep shooting like that for five days or whatever and i was like that's like i put together the the the, the call sheet like the shot list how it would go all day and it was there was no room it was like the font was like so small my, my director had to take out glasses he put them on he's like what the fuck <laughs> he was so we were, we were both laughing but the people that came in they happened to be from minnesota and i had my producing partner was there he's my second ad and they hit it off and we were all chatting and that was, they were like i know this schedule is crazy i go you know what if anybody can do it we can like why not the camera guys get along with the director everybody was like from the top down that production was run friendly and everybody killed it and we knocked out those episodes and as hard as it was it didn't didn't feel like work now back to the original part how in the fuck did a show <laughs> and a concept called hair jacked of all the things that you've pitched and i have pitched in the sound and gotten blank fucking stares some no offense to hair jacked but sometimes you're just like, how do, how did they get in the room and convince them that this was the fucking show to make? And and that goes back to that. The claw comes down. Yeah. And picks up some stuff and doesn't pick up other things. And you go. It goes back to your thing that we started this whole conversation. It is amazing that anything gets made in this town. Yeah. When you when you when you when you stand back and you look at all the decisions that are made, the things that are made. The things that are tried to get made, the things that they, they, they put together to be made, everything is got like a no, 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 you, I can't, this, this should never be happening, how the fuck is this happening? It's just, 
It's hair jacked. But but then it all comes down to hair jacked. But then I get upset when I see. And I'm not upset by the way. Oh I'm no, just like yeah. when I heard hair jacked and you told me ba- what the basic thing was, I was like, did some guys get high in fucking college and like laugh about this and then Poof, take dude. it in and sell it? You know what I mean? Probably. Like, I mean, what? <laughs> but 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 you still think thought two dudes were graduating Harvard and they were like, hi, ah, you know what we should do. I'm just saying. I think it's, I like think it's it amazing was, to me. I think the show was on low. What what what, what channel did I say it was True TV? Yeah, it doesn't matter what it was on. The bottom line is it, it got made. Yeah, it got made. It doesn't and, matter. And I'll be honest, it got made well because we all gave a shit in the beginning. And I'm not going to be that guy. <clears throat> I've I've made stuff. I've I've had people say yes to me. I've I've worked on stuff, so I'm not I'm not that guy. I'm not like, eh, I'm mad because I don't get anything and everybody else gets stuff. I, it's it's not that. Speaking of that, real quick, because I don't, I don't want to forget about any of this stuff. Uh, congrats to Mike Costa if we haven't already. I think oh, we yeah. did actually talk about it before. We may have Michael Costa on, on the Daily Show. Yeah, we we lost our we our, our weekly gatherings, but he's he's moved on to uh, some uh, bigger and uh, and better things, which yeah. is exciting for him. I, I assume I will never uh, get a response to my text again. That's well, it. He's give, gone. Give, give him time. Yeah. When I say time, two years. Well, no, he but but look, Costa's one of those guys. He's a great dude. He moved out to New York before he was on that Fox show. I ran into him in New York. I was like, hey, congratulations on that show. He goes, it got canceled today. <laughs> and I go, oh. And he was back in, in L.A. pretty quick. Hour. I mean, I think he likes the West Coast a lot. And yeah. I think uh, as as him as a comic, there's plenty of places both on both coasts for him to do spots all yeah. the time. And I think he'll sh- – he, he's a perfect – correspondent for the daily show he's yeah. always been a perfect correspondent like look at him he is the guy yeah, he's that guy he's the white privileged dude who can come on and yeah. act like a prick and he's like the new steve Carell. and if to me he had that show on uh tbs for a little while um for one season i can't remember what it was called uh the comment section he hosted that show um but he's gonna have i i think this is just leading up to him back. eventually like hosting a Tonight Show type show, yeah, like he's got a career. Yeah. Oh, Speaking yeah. Speaking of that, yeah. I saw you something on Instagram with a pre another previous guest. Uh, oh, Sean, Sean Green. Green. Yeah. And you were wearing a pretty fancy suit, which I was impressed. It, uh, it you <coughs> wore it well. I don't know where that suit came from, but you looked like you were dressed up like to celebrate the Cubs. That was because it was a red tie and a Cubs blue suit, and it looked really good on you. Not, Thank not, you. Not to, you know. That suit is what I, I wore that suit at my wedding. Okay, alright. Uh, with I didn't go. I with, didn't go. I, know. I miss everyone's wedding. With, so. with brown shoes. Um, but but on that particular picture you saw, I was wearing my Cubs blue Vans. So what was I What was I seeing? Then? That was because That's Sean's sports show. Okay, which uh, is a, a video show? It is. It is a, it's going to be a YouTube show. A it's, YouTube it's, show, okay. We're, we're, the first episode is going to come out on stream.tv. Okay. It'll come out probably Friday morning, the day after the first day of the football season. All right. Um, Sean's sports show is something we've been doing on stage for um, a couple of years now, I guess. And uh, What is it? It's basically a sports-themed talk show. Sean okay. is the host. I'm like the sidekick, right? Kind of the okay. couch Ed McMahon, Andy Richter guy. Right. And uh, and it's we have, we have guests and we show the Sean. Made, there's funny videos and it's basically Sean does like a monologue that's essentially sports-related, and then we have desk pieces and it's like a talk show, man. Okay. So the idea was as we started doing it on stage we didn't have desks or anything we were just doing it stools and sitting down and just stool samples we were doing stool samples and throwing okay. them at people and oh, good. getting guests on and just hearing sports stories and having ex-athletes and you know mostly comics who played in rec leagues and that kind of stuff and and, and it kind of you know as we realized there was a a nice little format there i think well sean already i think had it planned that this is what he wanted to do mm-hmm. we uh, found these people at stream.tv and they were all for 
letting us do they have like a jib in there they're like right up the street man they got cameras and the the show the production value they have a green screen like i think it's going to look really good sean says it's cutting together well uh but it will come out friday um and it's i i would check it out i think it's it's going to be and it i might seem a little tight you know what i mean but it's that first episode i just i don't know i was we we wanted it to be something where like we're not watching our language but we're not like saying you know cunt fart every 10 seconds so it's like I don't know what you just said, but okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, so yeah, Sean Sports Show, and uh, it's it's pretty funny. Sean's a really funny guy, and he's really passionate about the fucking Eagles, which I <laughs> think is so funny because they're so shitty. They can't, but you know what? If you if you're from Philly, oh yeah, oh dude, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because he even said like the Philly, the the Philadelphia Phillies. He's like, yeah, but football was really yeah. like his dad, and he's got and he talks about his family and like. Tess, Silver Linings Playbook, baby. Dude, Tess Barker is his girlfriend. He's taken her to Phillies games, the, uh, Eagles games, and she's like, it's just good mayhem. Everyone gets hammered. The Eagles get pummeled. And he goes, it's a party bus on the way there, and it's like a funeral bus on the way <laughs> home. And his dad's just like walking up to his mom going, Linda, don't blame yourself. <laughs> so I'm not yes. blaming myself, you asshole. <laughs> Oh my God. It's just it's just he's got it comes from a really colorful background, man, and his family is very Eagles heavy. But that's like, you know, and I I, I was I do I wore the blue because the and the red because of the Cubs. I had a Cubs mug and and I just wanted to rep because baseball is still happening. Yep. Playoffs are gonna, about to start. Yeah, I mean we're getting close. The Arizona Diamondbacks won their twelfth game in a row last night against the Dodgers, who lost their seventh yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's better to better to as, as in sports. It's always better to lose during the regular season as long as you're going to make the playoffs. Get that shit out of the way now, so that you I just wish they would have gotten it out of the way before the All Star break. Yeah, be I like the hot roll into the playoffs. Well, there's still time. I want to eat hot rolls works. now. Uh, as a coach, <laughs> as a coach from radio, all uh, I can say is. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I, that was my uh, where where are we ending that production experience. But yeah, yeah, um, no, we're still good. we're still in. Like they're they're going into post, and we're gonna try to get music samples and. Yeah, both of us ended up making stuff at the about the same time, uh, which is good, and uh, kind of keeps us, you know. Yeah. What was you? What did you just direct? That short film? Yeah, I I, uh, I did a, a short film with uh, uh, another previous guest, Peter Sprite. Ah, and, yeah. And his wife Sally Brooks, and we've started a production company together. Awesome. And, uh, this was the uh, the first thing out of the box, and I saw a short film, which, and uh, which I can't get into too much detail about, unfortunately, because I don't want to give away the concept. Of it, but it's 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 a comedy that kind of takes a left turn. It gets pretty crazy. So, um, but it was it was a great experience. Um, shot it. That's also in post, and you know when it comes out. We'll Are you uh, helping edit? <clears throat> no, I mean I'm going to oversee it. Um, I'm not going to actually edit myself, but yeah, it's it's all taken care of. And we shot it like up and up, like legit. There was a budget and all this stuff. It wasn't one of these like, oh, let's do a short film for right, free. Like right. I'm not 20 years old, I'm not doing that shit anymore. Right, like, that's, that's kind of how I feel about <clears throat> it. Yeah, we had we hired a, a, a full crew, awesome. And did the whole thing. Um, had some uh, some great actors in it. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know some people were like way more excited about it than this was, but that's only because I don't watch TV. But there was one of the we and it was uh, Justin Chambers, who's an actor in, on Grey's Anatomy. So all the women. Oh, yeah. On the shoot. Dude, very excited about that. My show. mom loved that show. Yeah, I don't I've never watched it. So, I mean, I it's I got an autograph. A very popular guy. Who's the guy who plays McDreamy or McSteamy? Yeah, that's the guy from uh, from the '80s movies, right? That used to be in the '80s movies. No, he's Rebecca. Name. He was married to Rebecca Gayhart. I don't know. You're gonna ask me these questions. I don't know. No, McDreamy. He wasn't he an '80s. <coughs> wasn't I? Thought no, that's uh, Patrick Dempsey. Patrick. 
Isn't that Duffy? Who, isn't, Patrick oh, Dempsey. Yeah, Patrick Duffy is that's that's. <laughs> I'm TV's uh, Patrick Duffy. <laughs> wasn't he Aquaman or whatever that show was back in the day where he he, he was swam? not he was not <laughs> Flipper. Flipper. He was wasn't, wasn't he, he a dolphin? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, but, but I I worked with that guy on a on a show a long time ago, and I had to drop a contract off at his house, and I go, hey man, this is gonna sound weird. He goes, your mom wants an autograph picture, <laughs> and I go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Before you could even. Yeah. Because he, we, I go. Can I get an autograph? Well, actually, I go. Can I get an autograph? for your mom. I go. Yeah. And he goes. Yeah. Of course. And That's he, he invited me in, and he signed a headshot for her, and she took it to work and had it up, and like it was funny. Yeah. It was. <clears throat> it was good. It was good. Um, worked with another actress, which is Tig's wife, uh, Stephanie. Oh, she's in. Um, uh, she was uh, in, punching Henry. And she was also in Dream Corps, the first season that I oh, had yeah. worked on. She yeah. didn't do the second season because now she's on One Mississippi. We yes. Were talking about she's really season. funny. She's really funny. It was great in there, and uh, Sally was Sally was in it as well. Nice. And, uh, another guy named Matt Corboy, who was also in uh, um, The Descendants with George Clooney. Oh, nice. Uh, he was one of the main characters in that. So I actually got some really good actors to work with, and like, that's it's great. Kind of the first time to actually um, to direct people that like I mean, they're they're career actors. Like yeah. this isn't like my first thing out of the box, and that's not to knock those people either. But I, these are like people. That if you IMDb them, I mean, there are lesser credits goes on and on and on and on. They've been directed actors. by a lot of fucking people. They're working actors. They've worked on small or big parts on yeah. almost everything you've seen. <laughs> yeah. So for me, uh, wanting to direct, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Like yeah. to be able to be a part of a process where you're working. Did you help with, write it? Huh, nah, I tweaked. It's like what, it just you had, you had input. That, you had input. Yeah. When directors get scripts, they don't necessarily. Some do rewrite the scripts, but then other. Your job is, as a director is to be the storyteller, right? So you you basically dissect the script. You have discussions with the writer. You have discussions with some of the actors uh, and the producers. It's, it's a collaboration where you sit down and you're like, okay, I see where this is going, but I think maybe we should do this or maybe you should say this instead. And as long as you've got collaborators that are open to that, you do tweak stuff. You don't get writing credit for it, but you're basically you're helping them tell the final story. So the answer is yes, I did some of that, but at zero credit, which I don't care about. I'd rather just have the story be told properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that but you were able to help tell the story properly. Meaning. Well, explain. But the point is you have to have a vision. Like, again, it's the same thing as being a, produ a producer saying I want to be a producer. <laughs> it's the same thing as like, I want to be a director. Well, right. what the fuck does that mean? Right. You still need to know how to tell a story. Yeah. It's not just sitting in a chair going action with my bullhorn. And it's like you actually. Although you did use a big cardboard. A bullhorn, and uh, then a, yeah, you wore a beret. Yeah, in very small areas. In uh, very, I was in a small rooms all the time, and I made so sure I had a bullhorn. Yes. It was bigger than it, like came out real far and it yeah, got right so, in the actor's face. No, actually, when I yelled action, the bullhorn was past them. That's how small the room was. I was, they <laughs> they're were right, right next to you, and the thing is way past their head. <laughs> That's cool. And I was on one of those uh, the, the, the crane chairs <laughs> in a house. Sir, in a house. Uh, why is there a jib crane here? Oh, we're gonna put Brian on it. He's yes. gonna get lifted up and down. He needs to be above everyone. <laughs> As I look down on you peasants, make my movie. Bring in the buffalo. Uh, you guys is, use a lot of animals? Yeah, we had buffaloes running through everything because I wanted big grand scenes <laughs> that had nothing to do with it. That's good. Good, 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 good. Disconnect. A lot of sweeps. You got to sweep the camera. A Did lot you of use sweeping. a lot of star wipes? Now, yeah. everyone laughed at me when I demanded Dutch angles on everything. <laughs> I did that on a couple of conference calls with the director and the company. I was like, yeah, and then we can go into, and they're like, okay, so that's good. I'm like, yeah, and also we're going to probably shoot the whole thing with Dutch angles. And then it's like, it's just silent. And I'm like, I'm kidding. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we know. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, you know, I, I will say, though, that uh, going back to early on when you're talking about how hard it is to make a film. 
make anything. And make anything. I mean, I'm talking like, and I know, even, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, I know, like, even now when people are like, well, now you can shoot anything on your phone and you can edit it, on, and that is true, but still, to get schedules, to get people, to get something to make something of quality. It's well, hard getting a lot of moving parts to work together yeah. to make something. Therein lies the thing. It's like you know, the, the process of making something is first you have to have an idea, then you have to write that idea down, then you have to rewrite that idea, then you have to share that idea with other people, and they will give you their opinion of it, and then you rewrite some more. Then you actually have to get some people genuinely interested in wanting to help you make your idea. Then once you get a few people that genuinely want to help you make your idea, you actually have to hire the people to actually execute the idea from cast to crew. To do that, then you get on set, then you try to execute that idea. A million things can go wrong during oh, that idea. Oh, they do, and they do, and 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 will, and then just how you deal with you those situations. It. Then that gets done. Then you have to pass it on to post production, where they have a myriad of issues that they have to deal with in order to edit that idea. Yeah, that's edit around your shitty decisions idea. to make yep. your idea look good. Then there's a final decision on what you're going to land on as far as whether or not that idea came to fruition the way you thought it was going to be or it changed in a different direction. The bottom line is you are now stuck with your idea. Once it gets through post, it is what it is, and you have to give that idea to people who will decide whether or not anybody should ever see that idea. And sometimes no one ever gets to see that idea, and then sometimes people do get to see that idea to full fruition, and they don't give a shit. And they hate it. Yeah, <laughs> and then sometimes, uh, in rare opportunities, it explodes and it connects with everybody. And it's no different, and it's funny, it's no different having been in the music business. It's the exact same thing. It's, it's I want to make yeah. a song, yep. and you really never know until that thing is done and it goes through this process and it is given to the general public. And at some point, the key is just to get whatever it is you're doing, that little germ of an idea that requires all these moving parts and all these people to get involved. It eventually still has to go to the masses, and the masses will immediately, immediately, they will let you know if they like you're it or in not. Yeah. Or you're out. And, and that is it. And if you're out, the important thing is to start with something else, to keep creating, to yeah, keep you moving can, yeah. forward. Like you can't like uh, like like authors don't write their first novel isn't what get gets published. It's their fifth, their sixth novel. You know what I mean? Like filmmakers, it's not the first film they ever make that I mean most for the and of course there are exceptions to all these rules. Of course. But like Filmmaker, one film, but no, that's like two, three, four, five, six films, and then someone's like, "Dude, you just you made an awesome. This one is awesome." And it's like, "Oh, this overnight sensation who's been making movies for fucking right. twenty five years right. is now getting an Oscar, which is, you know, it's nice to have the recognition of your peers, and it's nice to be awarded and be thought of as a, in high regard as someone who's at the top of the game of filmmaking, whatever. But also, you love making films, yeah, and that's why you kept doing it." that's you i like acting that's why i'll do a, a you know i've done movies that my wife is not so pumped for but like <laughs> i'll still try to make my performance in each thing i do as good as i can make it you know what i you mean you chip away you you, you chip, chip away to get where chip you away and and you guy have to keep you're gonna have to wade through some shit and and i feel like i did that to get to to where i am as a producer right now and i feel like there's still more shit to wade through it's not like this is it and i'm gonna be a commercial producer forever it's like i have to produce other stuff too if i want a day job i have to get involved in other things too and again i might be doing it uh at a level that i'm not comfortable with or that i'm not really happy with the idea but at the same time i've learned enough to know that i don't want to be the guy that's bringing people down so no matter what production i get put into i'm always going to be uh in a much more positive state than i would have been like probably two years ago so i'm a firm believer in like at this point in my life i am tired of like not just telling it like i see it and and kind of telling the the, the truth the, the, as it as it happens instead of always glossing over everything or kind of like 
not everything needs to be shared in this world. Trust me. I agree uh, but, with but there, that but there so are, much. Tell, but there, tell Facebook. But there are other things that I think, you know, sometimes you have to kind of just in order because there's learning lessons in it. Like case in point, like during the shoot, um, because it was a it was a, it was a smaller shoot. And even though it was run professionally, there was some miscommunication during the shoot where multiple people had been communicating with the production designer, as an example. So we're filming in this house, and I walked over to the production designer, and, and I had said something to him about, like, hey, I was, I, was, I was going over a shot for later, and I was looking in the backyard, and, and, I, and I noticed that there it was, there's a big, glaring, empty spot there. It just looks weird. Now, and, and, and normally you don't care about too much of what's going on in the background, but if but sometimes if it's if, taking your focus away from what's going on in the foreground, you got to care because it's too weird. Yeah. Right. No matter right. how good the acting is in front of it, unless the movie's called background. And it kind of like dismissed me. And I thought that was a little bit weird because you're supposed to be working hand in hand with your yeah. production. Designer. Okay. And I, and I thought a little yeah. bit odd, but I let it go. It was it was early in the day. And I was like, you know, he's like, well, I'll have to see the shot and then I'll determine from there. And I was like, or we discuss it because that's what we're here to do. But whatever. I let it go. Right. In my head. I didn't get pissy with him. Right. And then later, uh, we had another shot set up, and I started talking about what was in the background, and he, like, wigged out on me. He's like, all right, here's what I don't understand. He's like, I've got you telling me one thing, and I've got the DP telling me something else, and I've got uh, the producer telling me something else. Now, in that oh, moment— Wow, yeah. And this, it, it, it shut down the, sh- the shoot for a second. He was really upset, and he was yelling at me in front of everybody. Now, old me— would have said, said fuck, fuck, yeah, fuck you don't do that please don't don't talk to me that way in front of everybody that's old me new me kind of just sat there and like heard him out for a second and understood where he was coming from understood his frustration and the fact that he did have too many cooks in the kitchen telling him what to do was he handling it properly no no he was but not but he was going to realize that on his own but here's the thing shoot still needs to get done shit still needs to get done art direction still needs to happen Everybody here needs to understand that if they are frustrated about something, how will it be handled just in case it comes up somewhere else during the shoot? Because we still have we have the job to do and we we have there's an end game here. There's a completion process that we need to get to. So this moment needs to be handled in a way that still allows all the other pieces to be there. So I just kind of I said I let him air out his grievances. And then I was like, you know what? You bring up a really good point. There are a lot of people talking to you. So this is what I'm going to do in this situation, even though this is not normally the situation. I am going to defer. I'm like, it's clear that that what I'm saying to you is upsetting you. So if you've been having communication with somebody else, whether it's the DP or the producer, that this is what they want. I said, I'm working in concert with all you people. OK, I I'm dealing with the actors and I can deal with the actors. And there's no one thing back there that's going to make or break it. So I'll tell you what, from here on out, I'm a believer in one voice. You pick the voice you want to hear with, and you work with them, and we'll move through this. And I am sorry that this happened. We cool. And he was like, um, all right. And he kind of just walked away, and we ended up getting the shots. And at the end of the shoot, he walked to me and said, I just want to let you know I, had a, I actually appreciate everything that we did together, and you know, I would, I would work with you again, so thank you very much. And like, my point is that I'm not doing that to pat me on the back. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying was that I recognized a situation, a difficult situation, where you're working 12-hour days with a lot of people, and sometimes people do. You don't know what's going on with them sometimes. You're not aware of the fact that maybe other people, and especially on a set where sometimes people do kind of overstep their bounds, 
and not on purpose, but they may be sharing information that you don't know is going on is upsetting somebody. And you kind of have to manage it. You know, that's the thing about being a because I was I was obviously producing and directing on this thing. But producers and directors on set, they're kind of the same person. They have to <coughs> manage the personalities, manage the set and make sure that everything stays on course. And it was like in that moment, I was like, dude, you can't don't get fucking upset here because like you also are not going to get what you want out of this. If you start fighting with people as much as you want to because you want to go back to being the dick you were when you were in your fucking 20s. <laughs> What did that get you except fired from radio, right? right? Like, that's the thing, you know? I, along those same lines, me, the director, and my producing partner got together at the very beginning and with the ad agency said, information is king. Everyone should know everything. There shouldn't be people hoarding information. I've never liked that. When an executive producer has been like, don't tell them this, it's like, why not? It's what we need. It's what we have to do. Let the crew know. No. And they would hide and hold information until like the last minute or until it was too late or whatever. But I was like, I want everyone. It's I want to be as transparent as possible. Yeah. This is what we're doing. If you have tweaks, be here at this time. Tell us what you want to do. Like, <clears throat> if you don't like what we're doing, step in now. Say something. Let's fix it. Let's work around and on set, we had a couple of incidences where it seemed like the director was getting notes from too many people. And we just all got together. It wasn't like behind anyone's back. It right. wasn't. It was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Everyone can talk to this person. This person is the only person that talks to the director. And everybody was fine with that. Nobody was upset by it. Everyone still got their ideas put into the main person from the company. They got to then decide if those were the ideas they wanted to go with, and then they passed those ideas to the director, right. and then we all execute the ideas. It's all how you handle it. And you have to thing is, too, like sometimes, like in the case of this production designer, instead of me getting upset and actually listen to him, you know, he, he was hired to do a specific job. And his job is also to like read the script and come up with an idea of what this thing should look like around these actors and stuff like that and and that that part of it is a collaboration and so it's like for him you know if he feels cornered because too many people are telling him what to do now he kind of feels like am i just am i just moving this statue around in three different directions right. just three different people are telling me to move a statue right or am i production designing am i doing my job and what i like to do and what i like to have a final product that i can show everyone go I production design that. And that's when you have to realize what the roles are and how they work and, and give people the voice that they need to have within reason. And sometimes, again, situations like both of us obviously experienced. We both were working on um, smaller productions, which sometimes it can happen where four people are looking for the same thing when only one person should be because mm -hmm. it's just information flow kind of spreads out improperly. It happens. But imagine if that was ten times larger the same shit happens. It's just that, you know, you have to. So there's there's one person that basically goes around and deals with that, and half the time you don't even know that that's happening because there's there's 150 people working on set. Again, it's like that movie Arrival. Yeah. When they share the information, they can understand what the aliens want. Yeah. When they hoard the information, they're just disconnected pods of people waiting to be assassinated. I love the fact that you use the movie Arrival. To, uh, uh, that movie, how, like, I don't know. It was a great movie, by the way. I like that I, movie. I don't know, but I didn't know what to expect when I saw it. I like movies about aliens and, and, and the possibility of other life and outer space. and The possibility? And, um, well. It exists somewhere. Whether they visit us or not, it exists Well, somewhere. yeah, whether they can visit us or not is, is another thing. I yeah. mean, life could be amoebas, but if we do find it, that's going to be insane. Yep. 
Um, and we're close, I think. But anyway, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast that I need different Neil deGrasse Tyson to yeah. be on and, and the Craig ghost Baldwin. of Carl Sagan. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, you were just talking about the movie Arrival. Oh, yeah, but, but, but I didn't know what to expect when I saw that movie, and I really that stuck with me, that like when they cut off communication with Russia and all those other countries, and they were like, we're not talking to anybody, let's shut it down. It's like, you're we're all human beings living on the same planet. If we don't communicate, these things could wipe out the entire planet, and then where are we? It doesn't matter. Well, I'm American, you're Russian, we're all dead. Who gives a shit? Like, it, it it it's just to me it was like information is king. everyone should know everything you know what I, I agree mean? and that's why people need to utilize Facebook and Twitter and Instagram better than they do oh right man now. so much better everyone is using the internet wrong in closing ninety eight percent of the people are using the internet wrong uh yeah but anyway uh, we just wanted to kind of have an episode that spoke in depth about uh, which is why we haven't been around we production both been yeah we been both busy. been working and uh just wanted something that like talks in depth about production and and how you can be involved in production and, and have positive experiences. I know I, I get bitter sometimes, or I used to get real upset about some of the shows I worked on and how poorly they were run and how stupid the people were that were in charge. And, and I don't, I'll never take that back because I fully believe those people <laughs> were fucking idiots. They're, listen, and they are, too. And I would say that to most of their it. faces. And everybody, yeah, at, no matter where you work, you're going to have to answer to somebody who's a fucking idiot at least you know, 10% of your life. So that's just going to happen. But the goal is to learn from those people how not to be like every time I'd have a job that I hated, my mom would always say, well, at least, you know what you don't want to do with the rest of your life. And I was like, after a while, I was kind of like, you know what, that's that's a good point, because you, it's all about trying stuff and doing new things. And sometimes you got to take a job you don't want make you can still make the most of that job and you can still learn from that job how not to behave or how not to end up at that job anymore. And, and you'll figure it out. It's like. Yeah, it's all it's all about positivity. California dreaming, baby. Oh, such a winner's Which day. Which is funny that I made fun of myself for t- dropping my kids off at school, but yet in the end, you I've been, came I've out been... as some guy who's been directing short films with yeah. big actors. What a dick! Yeah, modest yeah. Brian, they called him. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it may never turn into anything, but you got to try. Yeah, and I think that's the I key. I think it is actually because will. it's a really it's it but but that, but it did turn into something. You finished it. You made it. So it's something. So and by the way, fixed. Speaking of the other thing oh, that yeah. I made, um, uh, it's it's been delayed a little bit. We do have distribution, which is exciting. We got That's distribution. Um, we're hoping for Fix to finally come out um, uh, in February. So it's either going to come out around Valentine's Day or Dude. worst case scenario, worst case scenario, it will come out around Father's Day. Both both are genius holidays to release it at. I think Valentine's Day is fun here personally. Yeah. Um, I would prefer the. Earlier, one earlier, of the course. latter one, yeah, just because yeah. I would like to see the movie finally out. Is it going to hit theaters or is it going to be? Those things have not been determined yet, but I will say, in this new age, um, uh, as cool as it sounds to say, "Hey, my movie's in a movie theater." If it's a short, no one will see a, it in no, a movie theater. If it's a short run, <laughs> if it's a limited release, if it's only if it's only in like four cities i it's just a waste of of money and energy and i know that's uh, for a lot of people that's part of the excitement to say it's in a theater and i know it's a part of a marketing plan sometimes you only put it just as a side note as we close up here sometimes the only reason why you need to have it go to theaters is so that you can get it reviewed yeah and reviews do still matter um, and unfortunately, if you the current in our current climate, if you just do digital releases, you don't get the big reviews. They don't the big reviews don't unless it's like a Brad Pitt on Netflix movie. Sure, sure. They sure. they most likely will not 
Metacritic and those those types of places will not collect the, the it will not database reviews for you. So it, it kind of like you're on your own. Yeah. But being on your own sometimes uh, doesn't is not a bad thing. So the the point is. Um, I, I just will we'll get the digital platforms regardless. And, and, and like and, more and people I, will it, see it that way more anyway. People, more so. people will see it and it will have a better life. Uh, I prefer to see it go that way because I, yeah. I, I believe that that is the future. There's Star Wars and Marvel and then there's everybody else. Like that's pretty much where we're at right now as far as movies go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, uh, and also, uh, this randomly, if you happen to have Amazon I, uh, or Fire TV or whatever, I, you know, Tarun Shetty? comic i know like a million years ago i was in a movie he made called bobby khan's ticket to hollywood well it's on amazon prime now so you can watch it for free on amazon if you have amazon and dumbbells is on there too which i just found so just uh plugging some stuff i did a long time i actually i actually saw myself in tarun's movie and got so upset with how bad i thought i acted in it that i went to Garbage hadn't come out yet. Uh, I was in a movie called Garbage. Hadn't come out yet. It was being still in the editing phase, but there was like a final cut, and it was airing. They were going to do the screening like a week a week later, right? And I saw this screening of me in this movie, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm a terrible actor. Oh, my God, I'm a terrible actor. And I started to freak out. I went to the director's house, his apartment in Marina Del Rey, and I was like, hey, man, I need to see a, a cut of that movie. And he was like, okay, uh, what? And I'm like, I need to, you can't, I'm not going to invite anyone to the screening if you don't show me a cut of that movie first. I'm not going to see it for the first time in a theater because they had the screening at the Chinese theater. It was like, they did it up, you know? It was big to do. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not watching that movie with the people I know if I'm shitty. I can't, you know what I mean? And like, I was like, I was a little bit relieved when I saw it. I was like, okay, this isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I wasn't like super happy with my performance, but I think that just stems from being who I was at the time and how I, I, I didn't take an acting class till I did three movies and, right. then, and then I took an acting class. So. Some people have never. Yeah. You know, the problem is we grew up, um, we grew up in the eighties and we saw a lot of bad fucking movies, but I don't think we knew acting. they were bad. No, we didn't. <laughs> well, my, my point is that we didn't realize it at the time. They were like, a lot of them were spring break based. Dude. You know what I mean? Like, and so, but the, but the market. Dumbbells is essentially an 80s comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the market. Yeah. We grew up when VHS exploded. Blockbuster video, Dude. for those who don't know. Like, any video up, house. Any video store. Yeah. And they, just like the internet now, they needed content. So people were cranking out all these like. Because you don't have to go to theaters. You can go straight to DV- straight, straight to video. To video and it'll and go right out. Yeah. It, but and, and we were teenagers and we were buying every single yeah. TNA. Every martial spring arts. Break, uh, yeah, everything. Spring break. And it yeah. wasn't about the acting. It was about, is there boobs? Yeah. Is there fighting? Yeah. Is you know what death? I mean? Is, is there, there death? There, yeah. yeah. Explosions. They, they, acting was stunts. so secondary. That they were just hiring guys, you know, who didn't go to acting. It wasn't about that. But there are dudes that like good looking dudes that made their, yes. their careers being evil dickheads in yes. 80s movies, you know, yeah. and it's I find that amazing. Yeah. And I would, I would love a, that's a great career. Like I was a bully in like nine different movies and now I live off that money. <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, and I'll close on this story. But uh, they, they, I remember working when I was still working in locations, this location manager, um, uh, came up to me and he was he was talking to me. Curtis Wilmot is his name. Curtis Wilmot. I don't even know Wilmot. if he's still in the business. At the time, he was the uh, location uh, manager on NYPD Blue. Oh my God, dude, that's my and, favorite uh, TV show. I love yeah, that show. I got to work on it a couple times. It was kind of cool. Like there's certain Whoa. shows you're like, oh yeah, yeah. So did they shoot that at the Herald? Yeah. Um, oh, Sipowitz was there. Yeah. Get the fuck out. What years were they? Was this Bobby Simone? This last year. With, oh, with uh, uh, John Clark, Detective John Clark, Zach Morris. Yeah. 
Yep. The Paul Mark Gosler. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they, <laughs> his took, real name. <laughs> they built, they literally built, it was one of the greatest sets I had ever seen built. Like this, they obviously had, still had money back then when yeah. was pumping. They shot it. it on the Fox lot, I thought. They, they, so basically, they would shoot some of the downtown New York stuff. They would find parts of downtown Los Angeles to shoot in. Yeah. And so they came to the Herald and they built um, a facade on the outside of it to look like the front of a school. Wow. A public school. Massive build. I was in awe and I was really bummed because then they had they tore they're like, Do you want to keep this? I'm like, Well, I can't because now it just looks like a school. Keep it. No, I couldn't I couldn't keep it up. It was blocking oh. a, a driveway. Oh. And I was like and I I tried. I actually have the plans for it. I they're in my office. I saved the plans for it. Oh man. Um and I really wanted to keep it, but there was it was one of those moments where you realize sometimes in this business you see this amazing work. Yeah. Done, and they still have to destroy it in the end. Dude. And it's 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 heartbreaking that it had to happen, but it had to, I couldn't and I tried. I tried to salvage it. After a certain point though, there's nowhere to put everything. Like yep. it's like Kramer finding the Merv Griffin talk show set in the dumpster. It's like they do. They throw out whole sets. They just scrap them because they're like, Well, the show's canceled. We're right. never gonna need this again. Like it's and it's crazy what they build even in a studio, what they're building. Like that's the outside of a building. They build whole buildings inside studios. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? It's yeah, like, like a superstore is like one giant studio store. It's yeah, crazy. To this to this day, I think one of the biggest regret I, regrets I ever had was I was able to salvage the uh, original bar set from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <sighs> once, and I unfortunately could not salvage <sighs> the second time. That was a and it got it got trashed. It got thrown away. The second one, they still have it because they're obviously still filming and right. it's on the Fox lot. But the original bar set. Unfortunately, I could not save it, and I and, I, and the whole time I was like, I, I was because I didn't have the money to save it, and yeah. that was the thing. It's like, and where are you going to have it moved to your were, house? And then you what? Have your have wife the kicks you out because you have a giant. My bar. Whole backyard is just a big bar. <laughs> it's always sunny back there. Yeah, yeah we get it. <laughs> but you know that twenty years from now, people are going to wish that thing was still there. That's, of course, that's what, what it's like the Cheers understand. bar when you could go down and see it at the Hollywood Museum or whatever and have a drink there. It's yeah. like okay, that's cool. Like. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's a it's a kind of shaky set, but that's kind of the uniqueness of it. It's not real. It's fake. And that's when you realize that that bar was pretty cool. solid. But my point is, oh. it's fake. Yeah, it yeah. was literally built from scratch for filming only. It wasn't a real bar. Somewhere. Right, right, it was, right. It was fake. So, you know, uh, un, not to salvage that. I didn't, I didn't salvage anything, which didn't make any sense. I should have at least pulled a couple pieces of the brick off or whatever. I didn't Something, grab anything, man. but I just, yeah, you know. But then again, like part of me is like. It's a very like after watching that Grateful Dead documentary, it's really kind of like everything goes away. Like nothing matters in a thousand years, and you have to exactly. So you, so, you have to have perspective. Yeah, and you just kind of move on. Let go of things. Not, not nothing. You know. So to bring this all back to Curtis Wilmot, so I'm talking yeah, to him one day, and he goes, "Well, you know, in the '80s, I was an actor," and I kind of laughed at him because he just didn't strike me as an actor. And that's kind of what I said to him, and he said, "Um." Uh, well, I wasn't like an actor actor. He goes, I was just back in the 80s when we were in there making all the TNA movies, and he was the lead actor in a movie called Spring Break. And so I finally was like, I found it somewhere, and I watched it, and he's right. He is not, not an, an actor, actor at all. <laughs> it literally, he was just a facilitating tool to get a bunch of young dudes on a plane to, <laughs> to go, go somewhere to see chicks. a bunch of tits. That was it. It was just, hey, just move on to the next scene I mean, where there dude, could be boobs and drinking. Like, that was literally, Tom Cruise's first movie, Losing It. They was about four dudes who went down to Mexico, Tijuana, to try to lose their virginity. Like, it was ridiculous, yeah. dude. That's all. They're all the same movie. Yes. Go somewhere, lose somebody. Somebody loses their virginity. Yeah. I mean, look, American Pie made a franchise out of yeah. it. You know. Yep. 
So anyway, so that's uh, that's California Dreaming. Cal- that, that, this is California Dreaming, pro- po- positive production. That's right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with uh, you know the next one. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe.